just about anything can happen on an endurance trail ride. It was a Santa Cruz ride. Every year, there's a, there's a really wide river crossing there. It's early in the morning. It's about six or seven miles out. It's at the uh, Santa Cruz Horseman's Riding Arena. The 25 doesn't quite get to the coast, but Paul fell off in the river. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very memorable. Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare. And this is Renee Hare. You found the safe place to be horse crazy. Remember a few weeks ago when you talked to Keith Swenson, the fellow from Mongolia? Yes, the uh, Stone Horse Expedition. He gave adventure rides in Mongolia. And that sounded really exciting and interesting. And that led to? That led to an Air Force captain who had participated in a, a race in Mongolia called the Mongol Derby, a thousand kilometer ride across the steppe of Mongolia. And that sounded crazy and amazing. But it did pique our interest in endurance riding. It did. We didn't want to do anything nearly that long, but it did sound sort of fun and interesting when John talked to um, the endurance rider. He had some really great stories about some of the more normal rides he had gone on here in the States, the 50 miles and the 100 miles. We wanted to find someone with about average, our average horsemanship knowledge, you know, real folks. Yes, that were even friends of ours and that had been um, doing limited distance riding for quite a few years. So we decided to tap our friends Donna and Paul Schilling, who stable their horses at Rancheria Stables, a, a place we use as kind of our base when we go riding along the Kern River. And we're real familiar with it. That's where John did a lot of the training with Scratch. And we've, we've known Donna and Paul for quite a number of years. And we knew that they had done endurance type riding, and so we wanted to talk to them about it. And we're gonna try something new here. It's a group conversation, and it's kind of getting back to one of our first goals in creating the podcast. We wanted to talk to our friends about horses and learn from each other. We used the public library downtown. They have a nice quiet room, which is pretty quiet, except for the PA system. It might be a little bit echoey, but I think it's very easy to listen to. So let's say hello to Donna and Paul Schilling. Say hello, Donna. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How I'm are you? Good. And Paul? I'm very well, too. Thank you. And just to give people a little bit of background before we talk about uh, limited distance or endurance riding, how long have you guys been around horses? I've been around horses since I was nine years old, so it's been about 50 years, oh, roughly. Cool. And uh, did you grow up in California? No, I didn't. I was born in California, uh -huh. and I lived in Hawaii and Okinawa for about five years. And then I came back to the States, and I've been in, in California since then. Wow. And so you had horses? I had my first horse in Okinawa. Wow. Yeah, he was just a regular grade horse, and we had a stable there with a lot of land around it that we could ride on and we just trail rode and crossed rivers and had fun. Wow, that <laughs> sounds, sounds like. <laughs> totally fun. Yeah. And Paul? I've only been uh, in horses since um, for about 28 years. Donna wouldn't date me unless I could stay on a horse. <laughs> so I had to learn how to ride and so all of our horse problems are because of that. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what kind of horses do you have now? Uh, we have uh, four Missouri Foxtrotters that we normally ride and one retired uh, Tennessee walking horse. I started out riding Arabs. They're 
by far the best horse for endurance. And I had a, an Arab mare that I rode for a number of years, and she died a few years ago. And the day she died, we'd been together more than half my life. Wow. So she was 36 mm. years old at my the time. My gosh. Yeah. And we did, we did 50 mile rides. And then I, I started slowing down because I hurt my knee in a car accident, and I, I couldn't ride horses that trotted anymore. I couldn't do the posting. Mm. So that's why we got into the gated horses. So when Someone said one day, why don't you ride a gated horse? It's, a, it's much easier on your knees. And I said, I don't know. I've never ridden a gated horse. <laughs> so that's how it started. That was actually going to be one of my questions, how you got into the gated horses. Yeah, that's it why was, we got into the gated horses. So you didn't have and, to post. And it worked. It, yes. I've had a great time. It's been so much fun. And, and it's really nice to be at the rides and see everybody and, and actually participate, but not have to do the 50 miles. It killed my knees. Oh. Right. And when you started looking for a gated horse, well, you'd, you'd probably ridden ungated horses up until that point. What was the difference when you first got on a gated horse? The first gated horse I got on was a Tennessee walking horse, and it was up in Woody nearby here, nearby mm -hmm. Bakersfield. And I'd never been on anything like it. It was like floating in a cloud. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever experienced. It was so smooth, and it was like floating on a cloud. It was awesome. So right away, I wanted a Tennessee walking <laughs> horse, but I ended up with a Foxtrotter. <laughs> Is it as smooth a ride? Not as smooth as that horse was, okay. but it's smooth. If they do their gait properly, it's, it's pretty smooth. It's not quite as fast as a, as a walking horse's walk, but it's still, it can be, but it depends on the individual horse. You were in, in, into endurance when you had the Arab, though. Yes. How long, how long were you into endurance riding? Oh, maybe 10 years. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? She bought well, an Arab. <laughs> you kind of have to yeah, with an I Arab. I did buy the Arab after I got into it. You know, my friend and I, that I went to high school with, we just, we did all kinds of things with our horses. We did barrel racing and Gymkhana and jumping and, you know, we did all of it and didn't really like any of it. I mean, it was, it was fun for a while, but it got old and boring. And we started reading about endurance back in the 80s. And it just sounded like something that was so much fun. And so there was, a, there was a man walking around in the grocery store one night when I was doing some grocery shopping. <laughs> and he had on a jacket that said something about, I don't know, it was Little Rock Endurance Ride or something like that. And so I walked up to him and I tapped him on the shoulder and I asked him if he was an endurance rider. And he said yes. And he was my best friend then for about four or five years. <laughs> I got my first horse from him, the Arab I got from him. Oh, really? Yeah. And then what was your first ride? I don't remember my first ride. I, it was oh, down what? in the San Diego area, uh -huh. and it was 25 miles, and I thought I'd been practicing well enough to do a 25-mile, and by the time I went six miles, I thought we should be done pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a rude awakening. I finished it, but it was a long ways. You, you went back in those days, we didn't have heart monitors and the GPS. GPSs or any of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So. We were going out on our training rides thinking we were doing 10 or 15 miles, and it turned out it was like four or five. Uh, so, yeah. Just felt like that long. It felt huh? like that long. But when you're young and you're inexperienced and you don't have a lot of trails, and you think you go to the end of the, of the ranch and come back, you've gone a long ways, but you haven't. <laughs> and how long had you been doing endurance rides when you roped Paul into doing them? Did you, did you meet her, Paul, when, when she was already into endurance riding? She 
was just about done with endurance riding when we met. Mm -hmm. I think she did maybe two, maybe three rides after we had gotten together, but her knees were starting to fail her pretty bad by that time. Mm -hmm. And so she needed a break and, and I couldn't ride with her because I didn't have the skills to keep up with her. Uh -huh. And so she decided to take a break, let her knees uh, calm down a little bit and show me how to ride. And she bought me a couple of horses we'd gone through uh, to make it easier on me, the older horse. And of course, an older horse, there's always those problems that older horses have. Right. So. Uh, her Arab would just outwalk anything that <laughs> any quarter horse that I would have. And so we'd go riding together for the first six steps and then she would be off. <laughs> and I'd try Bye. to keep her in sight. <laughs> but the uh, endurance horses, they, they have that ability. Um, and that's what makes them a great endurance horse is that they like to move out. They like to go. Right. Um, you have horses that are really good in arenas, in closed areas. Uh, they enjoy that uh, restricted area that they need to perform in. And other horses, they are just like people. They want to know what's down that road there. They want to see what's around the next bend. And, and you can kind of see that with yeah. the horses after you've worked with them enough times. That uh, Yeah, this horse wants to get out and, and go. And so they, they adapt to the pressures and the uh, exercise and all the training and conditioning that needs to go with that. Uh, there are a few exceptional horses out there with any um, type of athlete, but uh, on the whole, most of the, your gated horses, though, are a little bit slower, but they're a little bit more methodical and they're easier to main, handle and uh, maintain a, a good speed and not just uh, be flying down the road uncontrollably. <laughs> And then when, what was your first ride? She uh, having done 47 of them, it's, it's hard to reach back to figure out where the first ride was. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think our first four rides were in Bear Valley Springs. Mm -hmm. We did one, one a year. It took us almost a year to get ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, now that I've done other rides over the years... It was the toughest ride that I've ever been on. It was, uh, if anybody knows Bear Valley Springs, it it starts at about 3,000 feet at the Equestrian Center. You can go down to about 2,500 feet, and then you top out at 6,900 feet. So there's quite a few elevation changes. And they do a 25-mile, covers most of the trails, so the 50-milers do it twice. So, and it is pretty tough or it was they don't do that right anymore like sadly so hard. many of the rides they've gone away because of uh, legal problems so uh, land and liability type things yes mm -hmm. yeah. well the the open ranges uh, they're contested now for landowners and they want money for you to ride on them now and trying to get permission there's not a piece of dirt in the state that's not owned by somebody Right. <laughs> and, right, and so you have to go through government agencies to get permission to, and then you got to have the insurance, and you got, and it all adds up to money. Mm -hmm. And so the entry fees are—I wouldn't call them exorbitant—but if you're traveling uh, three or four hundred miles to get to a ride, and you already paid one hundred and twenty dollars up front per horse, 
then you include everything, your food, gas, right. and everything else in there, right. you're looking at a good $500 a ride. And then if you get pulled, oh. <laughs> you, <laughs> and you get nothing. <laughs> yeah, you get nothing. And believe it or not, the, the horse isn't, is only one of the factors. I mean, there are riders out there that they just they can't do it. They, yeah. The terrain's too tough. So they have an option of saying, I'm done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk about that a little bit because, Donna, your, your knees were, they kind of gave out uh, from doing the endurance. Uh, what, why would, what, was it because of posting or was it just being in the saddle that long? Well, I, sh I, I shattered my kneecap in a car accident. Okay. And they pinned it back together and it, the whole kneecap wasn't, it wasn't whole anymore. There was some missing. Uh -huh. So it was, I don't have full range of motion in my knee. So as I tried to post, it would it was just keep bumping up to that point where it couldn't bend anymore, uh -huh. and it just made it super super sore. So and do you do you post a lot during the the race? Do on an Arabian, you have to because okay. the the gate of choice is usually a, a trot. So when you're trotting, you have to post if your horse trots. The gated horses don't trot; they do a different gate that that's smooth and it's usually a four beat gate, so you can sit down on it. And then, um, now I can stand up in my stirrups a little bit, but not post. Just kind of hover over the saddle and balance myself. Right. And not post, and that's a lot easier for me. And then, Paul, somebody for somebody who doesn't have the accident type knee, what did you find the most strenuous on your body as far as the the rides? Well, we started endurance riding when I was fifty, so just age alone, it, right. it's you know. You're, you're, not, you're not young, so <laughs> <laughs> and when you're staying in the saddle, it uh, it wears on you. It, it it's not like like she said, it's a lot easier on a on a gated horse. So it's one of those things that you know that it's easy. So typically for the um, limited distance, twenty five mile rides, what kind of time frame are we talking about? You have, Generally speaking, you have six hours to do a twenty-five mile ride, but okay. during that six hours, there's always going to be a hold, like a lunch hold, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. It's usually an hour. Sometimes it's a half an hour, but generally it's an hour, and that takes that's taken off your ride time. So that's part of your that's part of your six hours. So you're doing that twenty-five miles in maybe less than five hours. Yes. Wow. Probably. So that's five time. miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't sound that bad. It doesn't sound that bad. For the first five miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound that bad, but you got to consider the terrain. You can't trot all of it. Right. Yeah. In California, there's uh, a few rides that are actually flat out in the desert uh, around Ridgecrest in the Inukern area. Um, they're flat, but they're deep sand. Oh, that's very hard. Yes, yeah. it's very hard on a horse. And... Then the other rides, um, you have a couple that we call the roller coaster type that are just up and down over the, the hill, hill country. Um, so your, your horse works up a sweat, and the ride managers always try to put out water, water troughs for the horses every uh, 10 miles. And next to the water, they'll usually have a bale of hay. So you want your horse to come up to that water, and you want it to drink, and you want it to eat. You're judged at the vet check, which is generally, for a 25-miler, halfway, which would be anywhere between 12 and 14 miles. Uh, the vets there have a whole range of uh, 
protocol that they have to check the horse over for, gut sounds being one of them and hydration being the other. Uh, they can pull your horse if they don't hear gut sounds or if your horse is too dehydrated. Um, the heart rate has to reach a certain criteria so it shows the vet that your horse is recovering from the exertion that it just had gone through. So they want to make sure the horse is um, fit to continue on to finish the, the event. So along the way where the water and the hay is, you encourage your horse to stop, eat, drink, and then move on. But you're not the only one out there. So if there's four or five other horses there, you have to wait your turn. So there you're up against the clock. Right. As long as it takes them for their horses to eat and drink and move on, then you can move your horse up to eat, drink, and then move on. So instead of being there for the five minutes for to coach them to drink or to eat, you've had 10 minutes now <laughs> at just this one stop. Right. And there may be four stops. So you add... Four times 10 is 40 mm. minutes right there, plus your half hour hold, and all of a sudden, you don't have six hours, you've got five yeah. hours or even less. So, mm. I, I imagine that everybody who's done this type of riding has had a horse pulled for some reason or another. Can you, can you give us some insight into maybe when this has happened to you and if you could have done something different? We've had uh, all different kinds. At the vet check, they want to see if your horse is sound. It's one of the criteria. Mm -hmm. So they have you jog your horse out so it'll trot mm -hmm. out and then back. Right. Well, at the one vet stop, uh, there was large chunks of granite rock out there. My horse stepped on one and lamed up right there. So I, I couldn't finish the race. Even though he came in fine, it was during the vet check that he hurt himself. And so, But he was good by the end of the night. So... You know, <laughs> I lost all the time and money and points and everything else because it stepped on a rock right there at the vet check. All right. Um, we've had uh, a horse get hurt on the trailer ride, and uh, we've had a horse the have a fever. He, he did he did the vet check in, and passed with flying colors. And then sometime during the early evening, he came down with a fever, and he and during the next day. His fever reoccurred at the vet check, and his heart rate never came down. Mm. So, but he was fine in, in a couple of days for whatever it was that was bothering him. Uh, these are things that just happen that you don't right. know about. Right. Uh, I have a particular uh, uh, Missouri Fox Trotter who's got an odd way of starting his his gait. So as I trot out. He's trying to find his, his motion on all four <laughs> feet, and for some reason his brain just can't get that cadence right <laughs> away. <laughs> so the, the, the vets will say, oh, he's lame, watching the first five or six steps. And I have spent, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes trotting the horse back and forth, back and forth, and there's been a couple times where I've been ruled semi-sound by committee of the vets that are there. Because one says he's fine, another one says he's not fine, and right. one says, well, I can't tell. So, <laughs> so yeah, you, you run into all kinds of problems. I it's, yeah. How about you, Donna? Yeah, some of the same things. The, the thing with Paul's horse, when we started riding endurance horses, gated endurance horses, they weren't that common. There were a few, but not a lot. So the vets weren't used to seeing them. So there was some issue. Oh. There were some issues there. So that gait travel would look a little yeah, different it did look to a little them. Odd. And his horse had a really odd start, like he said to begin with.
but they're more, much more popular today than they were 10 or 15 years ago. There's, a, there's more of them out there, quite a few more. When you start training your horses, I, you, it kind of stuck in my head that you, you'd prepare for the Bear Valley ride almost the whole year before you'd go on that ride. What kind of training regimen did you find worked for, for you in training your horse? Did you do just lots and lots of miles, or did you do, um, like, sprints, or, you know, well, I don't know what you'd call them. Up and down. <laughs> I, I completely believe in long, slow miles. Long, slow miles. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to condition a horse is long, slow miles. And we did a lot of trail riding up in the Sierras. We did a lot of trail riding everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good. But you have to get some speed trials too you have to go out and do some some work like five or six or ten miles and and get some speed going right to, for the sprinting but but the long slow miles you can't you there's nothing that'll replace that and when you when you're training like that are you stopping and taking your your horse's pulse and and monitoring it like that or do you just ride and, and then do you do that on just on game day well, we have, a, we have heart monitors uh-huh. for our horses, so uh-huh. all we have to do is just look down at our wrist and we see what their pulse rate is. Oh, God. Oh, and you wow. get to know, when you ride your horse long enough, you get to know what they're comfortable at. And you can tell by the heart monitor whether it's spiking or if it's staying steady. It'll, it'll creep up as they exert more energy, but you, you get to know what's normal for your horse. Wow. Where does the horse wear that? Oh, uh, one goes under the saddle just uh, past the left shoulder blade. And the other one is on the girth on the right-hand side, oh, just about where the heart would be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I hadn't I even thought know. about having a heart. I wore one when I work out sometimes. And yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. A lot of times, you, that's when you order it, it comes with, with just a personal heart monitor. You actually have to get the attachments for a horse. <laughs> <laughs> but about how much do those run? Oh, they can run anywhere from uh, 100 dollars to three hundred dollars i have one that i wear on my wrist that gives me uh the uh, gps and heart rate so it'll clock the the mileage uh it'll tell me what a mile has when a mile has gone by uh in distance and then it'll tell me how much time i took to do that mile and then i can check the horse's heart rate by looking still at the same little watch and it'll tell me what his heart rate's been the whole time. Um, what are you looking for that range? It, it just really depends because you can't, your heart rate on a, on, um, a gated horse is going to be different from like an Arab, okay? Uh, as sport horses have become more and more popular, they've grouped other gated horses in the sport horse categories. So what her Arab would have been running on a heart rate to what my uh, Foxtrotter would be running on a heart rate are two different things altogether. They're, they're two different breeds. Their body build is different, muscular. I've got, um, we've got three Missouri Foxtrotters that, uh, one's 16 hands, one's 15-2, and one's 15-1. And each one runs differently. Wow. So it, it's how they recover after their feet have stopped right. is what you're looking for. The big one, it, it takes them a longer time because he's, he's got more muscle. Um, but if he can recover within a certain amount of time, then it shows improvement. Um, 
the two that we were uh, riding for so many years, the first couple of years that we took them, it was a uh, it was so hard to get them to get their heart rate down when they stopped their feet that they they kept the excitement and and the nervousness of mm. being around all these horses because you're just not out there by yourself. When you go into right. a vet check, there may be as many as 50 horses in certain stages of coming in or leaving. And horses get excited when they see other horses leave. And why right. am I standing here when I should be leaving with them? I can do and, it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're saying, no, you need to stop and eat. No, you need to stop and drink. And no, I need to go with them. <laughs> what, was, what was your most memorable ride? Do you have one? Oh, I don't oh, Donna, Donna does. I saw that look. <laughs> it was a Santa Cruz ride. Was it? One year, yeah. Uh, every year, there's a, there's a really wide river crossing there. It's early in the morning. It's about six or seven miles out. And it's in Santa Cruz? Yes. It's at it's a, the uh, Santa Cruz Horseman's Riding mm. Arena. Does it go around the coast? or The 50 does. The 50? The 25 doesn't quite get to the coast, but okay. you can almost see it. But Paul fell off in the river. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very memorable. <laughs> we got really great pictures. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad she brought that up, Paul? You know, and, and it's one of these And you're rides. maybe your most favorite. <laughs> it's one of those rides where every year somebody, just one person, of all the riders that they have, just one person every year falls off, and I had my year. <laughs> My most memorable ride was uh, up in the Ridgecrest area, and it was the first ride that we'd ever been on that we actually had bad weather. We had been on so many rides, and the weather had been perfect. A little windy, maybe, a little cold, a little foggy-type rides, but this was just miserable. It rained all night. The next morning, everybody was just slopping around in the mud. The ride manager comes up and goes, what a great day for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they didn't tell us they were expecting hail and sleet. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it did everything but snow. And it was it was hailing so hard on the trail that our horses literally stopped and turned uh, away from the the hail and they wouldn't move until the hail let up. Unfortunately with the storm was moving pretty fast. Oh but my. we were going down the, the trail and the water was flowing down the trail with us moving faster than we wow. were and the, oh, in the good desert Lord, yeah we, we thought we were on a flash flood at first but it was just that the accumulation of water on the outside of the trail was emptying into the trail itself and just flowing down with us and it must have been and pretty cold if it was hailing. it was a little chilly that day yes they have a picture of us Riding into this wall of a cloud, <laughs> and it looked like it was, you know, it was like fog, but it was just a cloud that was hanging down that far. Were you able to finish? Oh yeah, yeah, we finished. But matter of fact, by the time we got done with that ride, the sun was out, but our horses were so dehydrated they were actually stopping and trying to suck water out of hoof prints that had gathered water. Wow. And, and you went scratch back, does how could, that? How could yeah. they be that dehydrated? in all this weather yeah. but because it was it was so miserable that the water stops that they just didn't feel like drinking it so they just kept and you can't make them drink they gotta want to drink yeah, they, there's an old saying about that huh yeah <laughs> and you had to be real careful because out there in that desert the the water comes down and it soaks immediately into the sand so the sand always looks dry on top mm -hmm. but you step out in it and you sink down to the horse's knees uh. and donna pulled off 
thinking that it was a little bit drier over there, and <laughs> her horse became a miniature horse. Wow. <laughs> Is that what they call a bog? Well, it was the whole desert. <laughs> it was just everywhere. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, quicksand. Which got out of it. Yes, no, we got out of it. Good. He's a very good horse, and he's very tall, so he just stepped out. <laughs> I didn't get too far off the trail. Yeah. Now, if, if somebody wanted to give, their, give a shot at, at limited distance riding, what would you recommend for them? Do they have to have an Arab horse or a gated horse? Any horse that's in good condition should be able to finish a 25-mile ride without a problem. And you would start by doing long walks and jogs and just increase the, the distance and increase the speed and go slow. And it's going to take you probably three or four months to get a horse ready to do a 25-mile ride. And you're not going to win. <laughs> you're right. going to go out there and you're going to finish. Yeah. And that should be your goal. And that would be a finish. good goal. Yes. Right. The hardest thing for me to really swallow when we first started endurance riding was we do this desert ride in Inyo Kern. And this lady and her daughter were out there riding. <laughs> and she rode a warm blood. Her daughter was on a pony. Oh my gosh. And it was the cutest little black and white pony you could ever see. And they just left us in the dust all the time. <laughs> Both kept, of them? And that little pony kept up with that warm blood the wow. whole way. Oh my goodness. The pony's name was Spirit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it beat us. <laughs> Badly. <laughs> That's a memory. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, it, it doesn't matter about the breed. It, it just depends on how well you prepare for that kind of distance to go. And nowadays with the heart rate monitors and the GPS, it's a lot easier to know how you're doing, how far you're going, how long it takes you to go that far, and how well your horse recovers. And the recovery is, is the important part. Right. I finished the two events, but yet couldn't complete because my horse's heart rate didn't come down within criteria, which is a certain amount of time that that uh, heart rate has to reach 60 beats per minute. Mm. And he hovered right around 65 for about 45 minutes, and then it finally came down. So he did great up and to that point. <laughs> but he was fine. It just took him a long time for his heart rate to come down. So That seems like kind of the, the tricky part of this whole endeavor is learning your horse so well and when he's too far stressed but you want to stress him some and, you know, there's that balancing yeah. act yes. that you guys are kind of going. One of the big mistakes that a lot of young people make is they ride their horse every day to, tr- to train it and get it conditioned and right. you don't want to ride him every day. They need to. They need a break. So you might you might spend one day doing some slow jogging and trotting and walking, and then two days later you might do a, a quick five mile at a quicker pace and come back. You got to mix it up a little bit, but the the key is don't overdo it ever. Let's just take for example, you're going to go on a fifteen or twenty five mile ride. How much does the terrain? dictate the gait that you're going to use? Um, if you weren't on a gated horse, would you trot trot some of the, the hills, perhaps, and then lope some of the flats? Do you, do you break into a canter when you're in endurance? I don't usually break into a canter. Horses like to canter. That, right. That's a comfortable gait for them. But it's really hard on them. I prefer trotting. Okay. If, the, if the terrain is good, if the ground is soft enough and you can get a, a nice trot, 
if it's too steep, you're going to want to walk. Right. Because if it's too steep, it's, you always run the risk of losing a shoe or something like that. So I'm careful when it's hilly and, and mountainous, both what the terrain is and what's in the terrain. Like, are there big rocks? Is there cactus? Whatever. And then did you, uh, when you started endurance riding, did you go right to an endurance saddle? Did you ever try one in just like a regular No, I, I had a little western saddle I used. Oh, did you? It was really light. It had a horn and everything. Uh-huh. And it just rubbed me raw. <laughs> I didn't ride it very long, and I, then I went to an endurance saddle with a wool pad on it and everything. And that was much easier for the horse. It was easier to put on, and it felt much more comfortable. That, that's, I was going to bring that up because if we wanted to try it, we have western saddles and jeans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that would work. That's yeah. what I wore when I started. Okay. I had jeans and a western saddle. And it, I was miserable. <laughs> oh, it, it's not comfortable. It's not. Uh, it, and it's, it's not comfortable for the horse either. Yeah. It's about comfort. Yeah, I, I don't know if you see me out at the stables or not, but when I do a, a training ride with the horses, I'm all decked out in my uh, tights. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of strange looks, but, you know, it's all about comfort. <laughs> if you're going to be in the saddle that long, That's you right. need to be comfortable. And a lot of times the training ride is only an hour and a half. So it's not that, it's not that long, but because we're working the bluffs there's a lot of up and down mm-hmm. and there's a lot of motion and those seams on the jeans can just rub into you it, you know it doesn't take long before you start getting those rub bras mm-hmm. so there's something it, to be said about proper equipment oh yes <laughs> and the same goes with the horses too we over year the years we have done so many of the rides here in california we know which ones we need to put hoof protection on for and not just shoes, but also pads as well, because mm. the, that place where you stepped on a granite rock, right. the, the granite doesn't go away. It's, it's always still gonna, there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's still there. So we know to, to pad our horses for that. And there again, it's another anticipation that you have to pay for and right. hope that you know it, it works. And so far we've been really lucky. And there's so many different things that, endurance riders have an options of using from uh, uh, the um, um, easy boots mm-hmm. that can go on. There's uh, several varieties of those types of uh, hoof covers. If they don't, a lot of people for some reason don't like to put shoes on their horses. They like to ride them barefoot. And the horse, it may be a tough hoofed horse, but they may not be in the tough terrain that some of these rides are in. So they always caution people to make sure that you put the proper foot uh, protection, hoof protection on your horse because uh, there's nothing like, you know, your horse going lame after the first mile. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty sad. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Disappointing. Yeah. And they say, well, you know, my horse's hoof is really tough. And yeah, but it may not be that tough. You know, if you've only ridden around where you live or you've only taking your horse out on the beach or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, a nice right. pasture ride or a nice road. These rides, uh, for we think that some of these ride managers are very sadistic <laughs> because they, they want to they make sure that you get the endurance uh, theme. <laughs> that there's no... That feel of endurance. This isn't right. a trail ride. <laughs> that's right. It's, yeah, like I said earlier, the, the flatter rides... They seem really nice, but they're so deep in sand that it's even harder on them than if they were to work the hills or the mountains. So it's all how you go. We've been on dirt roads that 
are so rutted and so rocky that you got to get off your horse and walk because it's just too dangerous for them to be riding on it. And I've I've looked at uh, the AERC website and looked at different rides. And if someone's really interested in starting uh, in endurance riding, there are there are not every one of them has listed a beginner's ride, but many of them do have mm -hmm. a beginner beginner's ride that you can go on. That's yes, just that's start. really popular now. It, mm -hmm. When I started, they didn't have those. They had a 25 mile and a 50 mile, and even the attitudes towards the two different distances was very different was than it? it is today. Yeah, yeah, it was. You didn't want to be a limited distance rider very long, because you were not thought highly of. <laughs> <laughs> But today they have the limited distance, they have the 50 miles, oftentimes they'll have a 100 mile ride at the same mm -hmm. time. And they always, not always, but most of the time they have what they call a fun ride, right. which is usually about 15 miles. It's not timed. You go out and you do your 15 miles, however long it takes you, but you get the experience of going through the vet checks. Right. And meeting the vet and, and handling your horse through the vet check process and getting the scorecard and everything. So it's excellent for the young people who want to get started or old people that want to get started. It's it's a lot of fun and you learn a whole lot. They looked the, at us when they said old I people. Did look at, I looked at Paul. Because <laughs> <laughs> so. we would be old people that would yeah. go on the beginner ride. <laughs> I highly recommend them. It's a lot of fun and you learn so much. Well, cool. Yeah, this has really been a lot good. of fun. And they wouldn't here. laugh at us in our Western saddle. No one would laugh oh, no. at you. Most okay. of them do wear Western saddles. <laughs> <laughs> we have to see if we like it before we go buy a new saddle. Huh? <laughs> really? I have a couple saddles you can borrow oh, you, if you want to try it out. But it, it's not limited just to horse people. There are people with mules are out there. Oh, yeah. seen, yeah. We've seen many mules out there that do the 50 miles, and several have done the 100 miles. And uh, so it, it's... You know, people that own mules go, gee, you know, that sounds great. If I only had a horse. Well, you don't need a horse. If your mule is is one of those that's willing to go and likes to go, then there's no problem. It's still conditioned. Oh, sure. Yeah. And ponies can do it. Oh, Shetland yes. Ponies. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> Spirited ones. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I think we learned a lot about endurance uh -huh, riding. Yes. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you. Donna. Now let's go have some dinner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We had a great time talking with Paul and Donna about endurance riding, and we even had a, a better dinner afterwards. Boy, that conversation, if we could have only recorded it in the, uh, the Mexican the restaurant. The restaurant was a little, a little noisy. <laughs> yeah. You guys would have gotten a real treat there. But it was fun. Yeah, we might just try our hand at this endurance riding thing. 12 to 15 miles might suit me just fine. Some of the events even have what they call fun rides or beginner rides that are those 12 to 15 mile distances. Aren't all rides fun? Well, when you get to that 25-mile marker, it might not be quite as much fun at the end. And speaking of the end, we've come to the end of another Woe Podcast. There aren't many links in this show, but you can find them all at woepodcast.com. Have you done any endurance riding? Or maybe you have an idea for another show. I love hearing from you guys. You can email me at john at woepodcast.com. And you can subscribe to Woe Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and then you will never miss an episode. Take us along when you ride or have chores to do. We're great company, really. <laughs> Woe Podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, we're everywhere. And spreading sunshine wherever we go. <laughs> you need more? You can join our mailing list at woepodcast.com. Every Friday, I'll send you a quick tip 
something you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please keep sharing our show about horses and horsemanship with your friends. And until next time, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.